Hey, I want to let you know why we're all trying to focus. <laughs> I want to let you know on our, about our Eve of Eve service. You probably saw our billboard out there, but want to let you know, uh, I think it's next Friday, right? Is it not this Friday, but next Friday, uh, December the 23rd. We want you to invite as many friends and family members to join us for our Christmas Eve of Eve services. So I want to let you know something you may not already know. We are updating our billboard and we are updating our social media, but we have added a third service. So we have a five o'clock, a seven o'clock, and nine o'clock, so we could just get as many people in the building as we can. So I want to encourage you, if you want to make a little space, that seven o'clock is going to be a little tight. I want to encourage you, if you want to move up to five or down to nine, it would just help us with some seating capacity. And I want to let you know that uh, last week, so many of you wrote names of family members you're going to be inviting and friends you're going to be inviting to the Christmas services. I uh, want to encourage you to really, uh, I want to push you. Let me do this. I want to challenge you for the people, the names you wrote, and the names you haven't written. I want to encourage you to really invite somebody. And the Bible says to go out and compel them to come in. So we have a responsibility. And th this is the time of year where people will make the decision to come. So if you're on your way out today, you see that ornament tree with all the names, grab one of the ornaments, write a name of a family member that you want to see saved, healed, and defined freedom, whatever it may be, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a babysitter, whoever, and put them on that tree, and let's pray that God's going to do something great. Now, you may have noticed in the riser section, there's over 400 of those red ribbons on, on the chairs, and those ribbons represent names of people that have been invited for our Christmas Eve of Eve. There's more coming in. We just ran out of ribbon, which seems to be a problem around here. We keep running out of stuff because of all you guys, but we are getting more ribbon, and next week you'll see even more names, and because every name is a story, and God wants to touch a life, one life at a time. So we're going to just be praying. So every one of those seats, as you come in for the next few weeks, know those are people that are invited. That's somebody's family member, somebody's daughter, somebody's coworker that needs to find Jesus. And we're going to pray that they find Jesus this year. Amen, everybody. Amen. I recently read that it was seven out of 10 people. I want you to hear me. Seven out of 10 people in the United States will live and die and have never been invited to church one time. Seven out of 10. So you just don't know what you could be doing for somebody inviting them to the house of God during the Christmas season, and people are more open during the Christmas season than ever. So before we get into the message, let's just pray for all those people that are going to be joining us the next few weeks. Father, we thank you for every name written on those ornaments and every one of these ribbons on the chairs that represent families and people that are coming. Father, we thank you that your spirit will draw them and the blinders that are on their eyes will fall off and people that are addicted will find freedom and people that are lost will be saved. People that are broken will find healing. Let it be so during the Christmas season at Vibrant Church. Use our church to be a light in this community and to see hundreds of people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. According to the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, while both male and female reindeer grow antlers in the summer, male reindeer lose their antlers at the start in early November. Female reindeer keep their antlers all the way through the spring. This means all of Santa's reindeer from Rudolph to Blitzen had to be female. And we should have known that only a woman could drag around a fat man wearing a red velvet suit all over the world in one night and not get lost.
Everybody say Rudolph. Rudolph. The song that you heard tonight or today is, the words are Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose, and if you ever saw it, you would even say it. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. In this song, we learn about the most famous reindeer of them all, Rudolph. We learn about his trait, this, this red, shiny nose. And when you watch the movie from 1964, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was embarrassed by this unique trait that he had. He, he didn't like it. In fact, he tried to hide it, cover it, act like it wasn't there. He didn't choose it, he didn't want it, and he couldn't hide it. And I think we can relate to Rudolph in a sense that there are some traits and vices, some struggles and some issues, some flaws that, like him, we often have in our own lives. For some people, the red nose could be just frustration. Or you're going into the holiday season and you're gonna be seeing friends and family members and you're traveling and you remember why you don't live close to your mother-in-law. You just have a little bit of a red nose thing going on. <laughs> Could be bitterness. Some people, the red nose they have is they're angry with, angry with themselves, angry with others, they're even angry with God. For some, it's addiction or embarrassment. For some, it's, it's addiction and, and, and they're stuck and for others, it may be as simple as a past, something that they have to live with, but they, they can't live down. Maybe it's their divorce or the failed relationships or that they've failed the business or they went, spent some time in the prison system. It's just like a red nose in our life. And I think if we were all honest, we all have disqualifying features, right? We all have disqualifying features. In an image-focused world that we live in, we spend ample amount of time trying to portray a life without a red nose. Think of social media for a moment when you go on social media and people post, and, and if you notice, you know, the husband has a six-pack, the wife's hair is completely perfect, the children are like little angels, the house is perfectly cleaned. They look like they have tons of money. But we all know that ain't real life. I always want to see what it looks like. How about you turn that camera around and let me see the living room? Come on, parents, talk back to me. We see what they post. It's almost like they don't have a red nose. It's almost like they have perfection in their blood. It's like, man, you're so pretty. Your teeth are perfect. Your life is great. But those of us with kids know our house ain't ever clean. You go to my house, it looks like we got somebody got kidnapped. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just not as perfect as we wish people, people saw. And, and the reality of it is, what I think we have to understand is that we assume people have you know, we'll see their lives, Bobby, and assume that their lives are good and that they don't have a red nose problem. They don't have any flaws, no insecurities. They have no issues. They're just good all the way around, passing grade, amazing. But let me tell you something. Where there are people, there are imperfections. 
In fact, let me go a little further. Where there are people, there are contradictions. They believe one thing and we can act another way. Come on, church folk, you wanna act all saved today? That's the truth. We believe, but sometimes our behavior don't always match our beliefs and it's like we live with a red nose. It's a struggle sometimes from day to day. The things that we feel in our hearts and our minds, the questions, the doubts, the fears. I, I don't think I'm alone, but I think even in my own life, getting up here to preach and you can stand before your church and, and, and the enemy can just remind you of your insecurities and your own failures and, and that even your pastor has a red nose. I'm broken like everybody else. I have problems like, like everybody else. There's a story in the Bible, Matthew chapter nine, verse nine, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him, verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his house as dinner guests, along with many other, or many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? In Mark chapter two, they relay the answer. Jesus hears this in the same story in Mark's account. He says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I love this line. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. In all likelihood, of the 12 disciples that were called, Matthew is what they call the unexpected disciple. He would have been honestly known as a notorious sinner. He didn't go to Bible college. He wasn't known for his church attendance. He was working at a tax collector's booth and Jesus walks by and says, follow me. The thing about Matthew you gotta understand is that Matthew was complicated. Matthew was complicated. He was a tax collector. The Bible lets us know he was a publican. This is the last credentials we might expect to see from a man who would become an apostle for Christ, a leader in the church, a preacher of the gospel. Tax collectors were some of the most despised people in all of Israel. They were hated and vilified by all the Jewish society. They were deemed lower than the Herodians and were more worthy of hate than the occupying Roman soldiers. Publicans, what they did was collect taxes on behalf of the uh, oppressive Roman government. So it'd almost be like this. Let me make this as clean as we can. Let, let's say Canada came down and took over America. I'd like to see them try, but go ahead. And let's say that some of you took taxes from Americans as an American before the Canadian government. That was kind of the idea. So among the Americans, that American would be so vile, why would you betray your own people? That's the situation we're looking at right here, is Matthew has now gotten connected to the Roman Empire and collects taxes from his own people, causing him to be hated by his own people. And what was even worse, that the tax collectors of the time would collect the money and give the portion to that the Roman government wanted and could say any number on top and take the rest for himself. So oftentimes, not only were they hated by their brothers and their sisters of, of, of their peer group, but they were very wealthy by taking advantage of people. We're talking about Matthew right now. 
We're not talking about other people. No, we're talking about one of the people Jesus calls to join him in the ministry. One of the people Jesus calls to bring alongside to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to help the lame, to give sight to the blind, to feed the 5,000. He brings Matthew alongside him. Matthew was was despicable and vile and unprincipled. He was a scoundrel. Matthew had a red nose. This is the last guy you would think. There's Donner, there's Blitzen, there's Luke, Bartholomew, and Thomas. And then there's Matthew. And according to history, Matthew couldn't go into the synagogue to worship. Forbidden to sacrifice and worship in the temple. He was not allowed to to be in any kind of religious activity. He was denied those rights. He was ineligible. He was unfit. And it must have come as a shock to Matthew. The day that Jesus, the Bible says, walking along, saw the man named Matthew and looked at him and says, follow me. Must have come as a complete shock. And later that day, the Bible says that Matthew then gets all his his friends together and they have a dinner that night and then they invite Jesus. So, So hear me, the Bible is letting us know that Matthew is complicated and number two, Jesus was comfortable. Jesus was comfortable. He was comfortable with the unqualified. He was compassionate and caring. Matthew 11 later says that Jesus was the friend of sinners. In the movie, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from the 60s, when Rudolph is so uncomfortable about his situation with the red nose, he tries to hide it, tries to cover it up, all that, and the story goes that he runs away to what they call the Island of Misfit Toys. Remember that? Remember this? How many of you know that I will find anything to preach on? Come on, somebody. (laughs) In the Island of Misfit Toys, there's a couple of different toys there. They were toys that didn't work. They, they were messed up in process, and, and they ended up going to the Island of Misfit Toys. So on the Island of Misfit Toys, there were toys like Charlie in the Box. Not Jack in the Box. Charlie. There was a train, do you remember this, with square wheels. There was a spotted elephant, a boat that wouldn't float, and now Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer joins him. This is kind of the idea of what Jesus shows up to on that night for dinner. It is the island of misfit toys. He is among misfits because Matthew only knew disreputable sinners. He called his only friends he had was the scoundrels, the outsiders, the unfit, the unqualified, and they come and do dinner with him. In fact, one theologian believed there was over 100 people there that night, and Jesus, the Son of God, was comfortable in that setting. He was comfortable among the outcasts, the broken, and can I tell you today, many of us can feel like outsiders. Many people can come to church. Many people are going to be coming for the Christmas season. They're scared, haven't been invited to church, haven't been to church. If you feel like an outsider, hear me, that's exactly where Jesus is. If you feel like an outsider today, that's why Jesus came. Jesus is comfortable with broken people, unqualified people. Now, many of you right now could be thinking, well, yeah, 
talk to the people whose lives are obviously broken. I, I get what he's doing. He, Pastor Ethan is taking time to let the people that are, you know, maybe a lower socioeconomic class to know that God loves them. Or God is trying to help the people with who are addicts. And, and let me just tell you something. Yes, but there are people in the room today that you may not be in a lower socioeconomic class, but you need to understand something. You're still a misfit. You, you, you may not be addicted to a substance, but you are still a misfit. Nobody is qualified enough to get to heaven anyway. That's why Jesus came and died to qualify us to go to heaven. We're all misfits. The Bible says, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such, such scum? So, so watch this. Matthew was complicated. Jesus was comfortable. And the religious were critical. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him. They never let poor Matthew join in any churchy games. Ma Matthew is disqual... Thank you. I don't know why you're clapping. Matthew... I'm leading worship in the next service. Stay by, everybody. Matthew was unqualified. Actually, you could say this Matthew was disqualified from being included. And the religious group saw it. And, and, and if you watch and listen to the song and watch the movie, uh, Rudolph has this trait and he disqualifies himself. In the song, he's disqualified by others. Hear me today. It's, it's one thing to be disqualified, to feel disqualification from yourself. It's another thing to feel disqualification from others. And hear me today. I'm just going to talk a little straight for a minute. One of the worst sins of the church is the sin of a judgmental spirit. What happens, I think, is oftentimes that because we have the truth. How many of you are thankful for the truth? Thankful for the word and thankful for his spirit and thankful for the church. We, we have the truth. I believe that. But it can make us feel superior to people. And we can very easily do this. We can look at this text and think, what a silly group of Pharisees to be so critical. But that can easily get up in our spirit, get in our churches, get in our hearts. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 says, refuse to be critical, full of bias toward others. Jesus said this, and you will not be judged. For you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. Mercy, have God have mercy. Watch this. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life 
and fail to notice the glaring, the glaring flaws of your own. This, this scripture is helping us understand that it's so easy to see a red nose in someone else's life than to see the red nose in our own lives. That it's easier to see the flaw in somebody else's marriage and how they parent and how they run their lives than it is to see in our own parenting and in our own lives. Can I get a witness? Proverbs chapter 30 says, they are pure in their own eyes, but they are filthy and unwashed. They look proudly around, casting disdainful glances. And what's the next thing? They have teeth like swords and fangs like knives. Notice this is the judgmental spirit. Starts with becoming proud of your own morality, of your own Christianity, of your own spirituality. And the next thing is we begin to look down at people. And the third thing you see is that the teeth start showing, words start flying, comments are made, hints are made. That vicious, judgmental spirit. I don't think there should ever be a place for that in the church. And, 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 and hear me today, we, we don't want that to come from us toward people coming in, obviously, yes. But we don't want to do it to each other inside our church for those who have already come in. And I hear people say, well, Pastor Ethan, I can say this. I've known them for a long time. I think that makes it worse. That makes someone like me who just moved here cautious to know people for a long time. Because it's almost like a freedom to be judgmental because of time when the Bible teaches us that we can't be judgmental because the judgment we give to others is the exact judgment we get on ourselves from others. You reap what you sow. Sorry, I'm quoting the Bible so much today. That, that we reap what we sow. I heard a story of a woman named Mildred, the church gossip and self-appointed monitor of the church morals, kept sticking her nose into people's business. And she made a mistake, however, when she accused a new member, George, of being an alcoholic after she saw his old truck parked in front of the town's only bar one afternoon. She emphatically told George and several others in the church that everyone was seeing it there and knew what he was doing. George, a man of few words, stared at her for a moment and just turned and walked away. He didn't explain or deny or defend. He said nothing. And later that evening, George quietly parked his truck in front of Mildred's house and left it there all night. We love to notice the red nose on others, don't we? But oftentimes can look over the judgmental spirit within ourselves. What's worse, noticing the nose that they know they have or you not noticing the judgmental spirit you don't know you have? Hear me today and write this down. This is on the screen. It's harder to discern self-righteousness in ourselves than unrighteousness. It is so much more difficult to pick up your self-righteous attitude 
than it is to pick up your unrighteous attitudes. If there's something that we have to be mindful of, it is not putting people in categories and making us be the heroes. And if everyone was like me, and if everybody acted like me, the religious in the text were critical. Jesus was comfortable. Look at the distinction. The Son of God comes to earth, and somehow we have a higher standard than God himself. Oftentimes people don't think that they sin, right? They, they, they will, or we will look at other people and say, I'm glad I, you know, they, they're sin, I don't sin like they sin. Well, here, let me just tell you this. It's probably not that you don't sin, it's that you sin in a way that's different than their sin. In fact, I'll say it like this. The Bible says, if any man says he has no sin, he's lying. So for us to judge somebody, here's what it oftentimes really is. We judge people because our sins are more socially acceptable than their sin. In the eyes of God, the Bible says we break one point of the law, we broke it all. So what really, when we judge somebody, I can't believe she said that, I can't believe they've been divorced, they've been, this is their fourth marriage, they're sitting on the third row, I can't believe, well, let, well honey, slow down. Before you start pointing at the red nose on others, don't you forget that God forgave some red noses on you. And come to the understanding that how could I withhold grace from others that God so freely gave to me? How can I withhold forgiveness toward others that God so freely gave to me? How can, I for, how can I hold you to a standard that God himself has washed my sins away, moved my sin as far as from east is from the west? Hebrews says that he remembers my iniquities no more. But those of us, we become critical and hold people to a standard that God himself has forgiven them of. Are we better than God? All of the other reindeer used to point, used to notice, used to call out. And when we get the understanding that we all fall short of the glory of God, that, the, that it's all level at the foot of the cross, you can't hold something over somebody when you remember God doesn't hold it over you. I feel like I'm on it and you're quiet and I like it. I like it when you're a little quiet because I feel like I'm stirring in somebody's heart by the help of the Holy Spirit. Somebody needs to let something go. You're going into a new year. You're going into a new day. You're going into a new chapter. It's time to forgive them. It's time to let it go. It's time to be who God called you to be. Song goes on. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, I'm telling you, I'm leading worship next service. <laughs> Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your, won't you guide my? Well, now wait a minute. Santa is wanting to. I can't believe I'm preaching this. Santa. <laughs> I'm going to get it back to the Bible. I just got to correlate it here. Santa wants to use the thing that Rudolph's the most embarrassed of. 
hear me, the thing we think counts us out perhaps is the thing that counts us in. When we think that we are disqualified and we can't, maybe the thing that says you can't is actually the reason that you can. Well, I come from a bad past. I'm a broken person. I'm a mess. I have failed. I'm not good enough. I'm this. I'm that. Hear me today. Just listen really close. Paul prayed three times that the thorn will be removed. He prayed, he said, I don't want this red nose in my life. I don't want this disqualifying feature in my life. I don't want this failure. I don't want this struggle. I don't want this. But, but, but God said, I'm not gonna remove it because my glory rests on your weaknesses. And when you follow me, know that I can use the red light on the end of your nose to do something for me that you couldn't do without the red nose. The, the good news is that God knows everything about you. He's not shocked. He, he, he knows that he's including the ugly parts, the broken parts, the dysfunctional parts, yet still believes in you, still loves you, still has a future and a hope for you. And notice this, when he notices you, it doesn't matter who disqualifies you. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa, out of the blue, unexpected, shows up, just like Matthew. Then one random day at sea, <laughs> making it up as I go, Jesus saw Matthew, looked at him. I hope this rhymes. <laughs> Follow me, we'll have a time. <laughs> Jesus came by and says, follow me. Well, do you know I'm a tax collector? Do, do you know I'm, I'm extremely unqualified to be your protege. I'm extremely unqualified to intern for the ministry of Jesus. Just, just so you know, I'm not like Thomas. I'm not like Luke. I'm not like John. I'm not like the other. But, 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 but Jesus said, follow me. Because if Jesus notices you, it doesn't matter who disqualifies you. If he's got his hand on you, they can't say no. If God says yes, they can't say no. When the red nose is no, when God picks us, he chooses us, and says, follow me. Despite what you struggle with, despite your pain, despite your shame, despite your past, despite your, your, your divorce, despite all of that, I wanna use you, Matthew. I wanna use you. You know what's interesting? I was reading this this morning, that, that the Roman Empire oftentimes taught the tax collectors how to write in penmanship and record keeping. The day Matthew left the tax collector's booth, you know what he took with him? You, you could say 
hypothetically that when Matthew left the tax collector's booth, leaving the financial gain and, and prosperity and money behind, when he left, he took the pen with him. Took the pen with him. Because then Matthew writes a book in the Bible that has been the best-selling book of all time, the first gospel of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, a tax collector, gets a writing portion of scripture telling us about Jesus, telling us about the geography of the times, telling us about the history, telling us all these things that to this day we still study word for word. And what Santa said that day, you'll go down in history. You don't know what God can do through you, despite you. You don't know what God could do in your life. You don't know what God could do in your heart and in your marriage and in your life if you just choose to follow him despite the red. No, well, Jesus, I'll follow you if I get my life together. That's not how this works. Well, when I get my life all perfect and everything good, then I'll follow Jesus. Hear me today. You don't remove the red nose to follow Jesus. And I wish I could tell you that Jesus heals every red nose. I'm not sure he does. Because I think God also uses red noses and uses broken people to write a great story on the planet Earth for his glory. Do you believe that today? Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together. Give God a praise. I want to pray with you today, but before I do, I, I remember hearing a story years ago uh, about a vessel. If you were to take a, a, like a vessel, a pot maybe, a clay pot, and if you were to uh, paint that and it was perfectly manicured and beautiful and it was not uneven and the lid went on well and it was perfectly painted and you took a candle and you put that candle inside that vessel and you put the lid on it, that light would extinguish but if you took that vessel, that pot, that clay pot that had cracks and, and the lid didn't go on right and, and it didn't look perfect and it wasn't all together, but when that candle was put on the inside of that vessel and you put the lid on it, it would live. In fact, the light would shine through the brokenness. Many of us are thinking that God has called us in pot management. Let me clarify that. In vessel management, God, save Mississippi, save this town, this wretched place. <laughs> Somebody's like, I've been in pot management for 30 years. And <laughs> Help me, Jesus, where are we at? Many of us think that if we can get the, the vessel just right, then that's when God can use us. But God uses broken misfits. That's what he does. That's what he uses. And he uses their stories. And he uses our stories for his glory. We want to get rid of this. And God's like, actually, I can, I can use that. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, before you even was aware of the red nose, God died for you. 
fully aware of it himself, knew your proclivities, your weaknesses, your failures, gave his life for you so that you and I could stand in confidence in him despite our humanity and failures and shortcomings. With eyes closed all over the room, if you're in the room today and you've drifted far from God, and, and I know this is a little bit of a lighthearted message, and it's fun, and, but I believe there's some serious truth for someone to come to the understanding today that you need Jesus. You need the hope of the world. You've run for long enough. Maybe you need to fresh start your faith today. Maybe begin again if that's you. Maybe you've never known Jesus. I talked to several people this week who told me stories that they got saved here a year ago, four weeks ago, four months. And just hearing the stories, just reminding me, Ethan, people are finding hope and they're finding love. Can I tell you today, this is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. If you're in the room and you've drifted from God or you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time, I want you to do me a favor. Nice and high, I want you to raise your hand to heaven. Just rise and high. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you. Can we pray together, all of us nice and loud? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean with your blood. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit. Lead me all the days of my life. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for every person who said yes to Jesus today. Will you stand with us? I want to do one final prayer. No moving around, please. I know normally when we stand, and uh, it's normally like, let's start sprinting for the door. But I just, uh, and I know if you got to get your kids, you got to go and get that. But I, I want to pray for those of us that struggle with the red nose. I feel like I'm one of them. The devil can get in my head, make me feel disqualified. I'm not a good pastor. I'm not a good leader. I'm not a good husband. And I got to remind myself that, that God uses misfits, right? That, that, that some of us through the week, we show up on Sunday and, and we present ourselves without the red nose. But if we were honest, our spouse knows it, our kids know it, we struggle, and we need grace. We need God's help. We need God's favor. So can I pray with you today that what you think counts you out, counts you in. Father, I thank you. Will you just raise your hands all over the room if you're comfortable? Maybe you want to put your hand on your heart or put your hands out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak life over every Matthew in the room who feels like they're just a disqualified disciple. Back of the line. But Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that they will, that shame come off of them, that condemnation come off of them, that freedom come to their life and their mind and their spirit, that they can walk in the goodness of God. They will see the favor of God all the days of their life. Father, I pray for somebody watching online who you've been wondering, should I get back to church? I just feel disqualified. I've messed up. I'm ashamed. God told me to tell you, shame off of you. God says, come back, Rudolph. Don't run away, Matthew. Now is the time. Despite what the critics say, Jesus is comfortable with our misfit selves. And I speak life to you and hope to you and healing to you. Father, I pray use every one of their broken situations for your 
glory. All things work together for the good to them that are called by God, them that love God and are called according to his purpose. All things, everything, every misstep and brokenness and situation come to pass in your favor and all things will work together for the good. If you believe it today, put your hands together. Give God a big praise. Come on, let's worship the King.